Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. So glad you found us. I want to give a special welcome to you if this is your first time. We certainly hope it's not your last time. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and say thanks for being part of our online experience. And then I also want to remind you that in the days ahead, this is March 6th, so this will be the sixth day of the March of Prayer for 2022. And if you haven't checked it out yet, there's a link here in the worship notes. We invite you to do that. And you can take a look at Facebook page where over the last few days we've been able to, in the community, have various worship experiences. And in particular, our good friend, Pastor Mark Pierce at Church Recoil has been dutifully leaning into all the technology and has been providing a live stream during the service each night, but also they're archived here. And so I would invite you just to check out a couple of them, be encouraged of how the kingdom is being called out here in a positive way in Mansfield as we join together to worship our God. And as we gather here, we want to begin our time first with prayer specifically for our friends in the Ukraine. This week I was also introduced to a young, uh, recently minted pastor, uh, graduated in 2021 uh, from the Beeson Divinity School. His name is Anton, and his last name is Ivanov, and Anton is married to Dasha, and he is a Russian, and she is of, of Ukrainian descent. So it's a very thoughtful piece on just how we ought to be thinking about uh, what's going on in the Ukraine, specifically from their perspective. And then they offer a few points of how you can pray. And I'd encourage you to download this article. And this morning as we begin, though, let's pray specifically for a couple of the items that they bring forward. Father, we do pray for the civilians that are in harm's way. As the effort continues, we just pray that you would be with them and keep them safe. God, we would pray for the, just all the leadership that's there and the negotiations that have taken place twice now that you would show up in a way to bring about clarity and bring about resolution and most importantly, bring about peace. And then, Father, we would pray for both the presidents of Ukraine and for the president of, of Russia. We pray for the president of Ukraine and pray specifically that you would encourage him in this incredible time. And then, God, we pray for President Putin. We pray that you would convict him uh, in a strong way to cease his uh, warmongering and to cease uh, his invasion into this country, this free people, and that uh, together they would come to some resolution that would bring about peace and restoration. We know that war is just a, another manifestation of our brokenness as a people, as, as the human race. But we just pray that you would be present in it. And so we ask it now in your strong name. Amen. I would also share with you that I had the opportunity to sit with our friends at Heartfelt Radio, Mark and Gabe, the morning hosts, and we did a bonus Bible study, partly because of some things that I encountered coming out of a quick trip to Florida with some other pastor friends at the Practically Pastoring Conference last week, and was so encouraged by that, but how God stretched me in understanding some things as a takeaway. And so there's a link here. I would encourage you, if you have a moment, to either watch the video or listen to the podcast, and I hope you'll be encouraged. And we also spent some time leaning into a better understanding of what's going on in the Ukraine from a Christian perspective. Why? It's a simple question with no simple answers. Why now? Why this? Why me? Is God even here? Is He listening? How can we know? We've made it through dark times before, and I want to have faith. 
but I still wonder, why? We're in week three of a series called Ever Wonder Why? And specifically, we're looking at these questions that I think many of us have, or have had, of just wrestling with some big ideas. If you haven't been here, I'd encourage you to go back and, and watch the archives or listen to it. In the first week, we two weeks ago, we leaned into just this larger question is, why does God let certain things happen? You know, why is it that uh, God is good and yet evil seems to be so prevalent? And especially as we think about what's going on in the Ukraine area. And then last week, we, we unpacked this idea of why would God send a good person to hell? of leaning into understanding about God's character and his uh, desire to be in relationship with us and yet what needs to be satisfied uh, in that and how Jesus does that for us. And for all of us, as we've even begun today, we, we begin with this idea of prayer, right? And I guess the question I'd ask you is, do you believe in the power of prayer? And if you do, I'm gonna guess that you would join me in saying that you believe that all things are possible with God. I mean, that's what the scriptures teach us. And that I trust that in your life experience, you can give testimony to the fact that God has answered your prayers. We know is the good news that prayer is this powerful opportunity that we have to communicate with God. But at the same time, we know that prayer can be confusing and we need to have clarity on some things because sometimes prayer doesn't work. And that's the question I want us to sort of walk around this morning. And what I mean by confusing is I mean that there's stories in Scripture out of the biblical story of, for example, in Joshua chapter 10, where Joshua prayed that the sun would stand still, and the Scriptures tell us it did for a whole day. Or a story in 1 Kings 18 when Elijah, the prophet, called down fire from heaven that uh, consumed over 800 false prophets uh, to declare that God was the true God. Or then even the story that we know of Daniel in the lion's den from Daniel chapter 6, where Daniel prayed and he was facing death. He basically ended up being in the den with lions that must have been on a diet, possibly. Or, or the fact is they didn't consume him. They didn't eat him for lunch. And, and so it's amazing when we hear these stories of the power of prayer that is there. At the same time, I think prayer can be confusing when we look at how Jesus tells us to pray. And yet as I'm going to guess in your life as well as mine, there's been times when I've prayed and yet God has not shown up. And so I want to wrestle through just an understanding and, and wonder why together uh, that exists. Jesus says in John chapter 14, he says this, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, wow. That seems like such an amazing thing that's offered to us. And yet we know uh, that we can ask God for something. We know we can, and we know that we, we should. And yet we wrestle with the fact that when we do and he doesn't show up, we're not quite sure what's going on. We're not quite sure why we even prayed, because obviously it's not happening the way we desired. You know, did we do something wrong, or uh, is God not listening, or... Is God mad at me uh, or mad at you because of just something maybe we've done? Or is it just that he doesn't care? And so the, the question we're going to wrestle through today specifically is, why didn't God answer my prayer? And so let's pray. God, we invite you into this conversation. We invite you into this understanding. And so use our time together to help us better understand your love for us and how when prayer doesn't seem like it's working, what's going on? And so send your Holy Spirit to guide us today as we look at this uh, deep question 
and help us come to an understanding that will bring about our faith in a deeper way. We just thank you for your promises, Jesus, and we pray it in your strong name. Amen. Let me begin first, uh, and I think it's it really it comes down to this, and even as we've looked the last two weeks at these questions, it really is centers around the idea of who God is, and then, because we're talking about prayer, what the purpose of prayer is all about. And I know it's hard for us to grasp, but here's the reality. Uh, we're not the center of God's story. He is. Uh, that the life isn't about us, that life is about him, and that is what it has been since the creation of the world, that he has been demonstrating his love towards us through the narrative that the scriptures tell us about how God works in the world. But it's all been focused on our response to him, not on his response to us, that we owe him our life, uh, that we owe all of our life to him in, in every detail, the sola dea gloria that we hold on to as Presbyterians, particularly as people of the Reformed faith, that there is no secular or sacred, but that all of life is centered around living fully of how God has wired us and what he's called us to be and do. And so the simple idea is that God doesn't exist to serve us, but rather we are created to serve him. So this morning what I want to do is I want to build a foundation and just help us better understand how prayer works. And I know we've been through this a number of times in talking about prayer, but I just want to take a, another perspective towards this uh, deeper question. So let me begin first is sort of a foundational statement of what prayer isn't. Prayer, because the purpose of prayer isn't to get God to do our will. And at the same time, what prayer is, is that the purpose of prayer is to know God so that we can do his will. Let me say that again. The purpose of prayer is not for us to get God to do our will. But the purpose of prayer is for us to know God so that we can do his will and live life fully in his care. Now, I want us to see too, that as we understand this, that God isn't our spiritual sugar daddy or our spiritual Santa Claus where he's just gonna give us things because that's the way he works, just because we want something. Or that somehow when we don't live up to what, you know, where we maybe break a rule or maybe we say the wrong thing or we just aren't the most generous of people, that God's going to give us a lump of coal. That's not the way this works either. Uh, or that uh, this idea that God is not a drive through God, where you've got your need and you pull up and, and you show up and, and basically you press a button and you place your order and you get what you want. I love this statement from Pastor Craig Rochelle that says, God is not a button to be pushed, but he's a relationship to be pursued. Now let me say that again. God is not a button to be pushed, but a relationship to be pursued. And again, as we lean into this understanding, prayer is not getting God to do our will, but that the purpose of prayer in our life is to know who God is so that we can do his will fully. Now in the verse that we read just a moment ago, Jesus says that he would do anything that we asked. And yet, I'm gonna guess in your life as in mine, there's probably been some times where you've asked and he didn't do. And it's so, why is that? And how do we, we wrestle through to a healthy perspective in answering that? Let me begin first about how we study the Bible. And when we look at the Bible, we don't just take one verse and pull it out and, and live from that perspective. That actually the beauty of reading scripture, this is a concept I learned in seminary, so as I share with you, it's the idea that we should allow scripture to interpret scripture. That scripture is gonna be consistent as we look to it as a standard for which we live our lives. Now, 
We, when we do that, we need to make sure that we read more than just a single verse. And scripture does spend a lot of time talking about this idea of prayer. And then we work it through in the context in which it was written. I mean, we need to give perspective to who wrote this particular verse and who to whom they were writing and what's the context. Uh, what are they trying to accomplish? What's going on in the culture? What's going on in, in that moment in history? And so again, a fundamental principle when we lean into these deeper questions is we have to use the Bible to interpret the Bible uh, so that we can get a clear understanding of what uh, God offers for us. So again, when we think about this question, why didn't God answer my prayer? I can say this much, if you ask that question to me, I can't tell you, I, I don't know. I don't know because there's a lot of elements that go into answering a question like that, especially when you're trying to figure it out and not knowing the whole concept behind what you're asking can be very difficult. And so what I want you to see today, we're going to look at four different reasons, possible reasons on why your prayer didn't get answered. First is this idea that maybe you have a broken relationship. It's interesting that Jesus in Mark 11 says to the disciples that if you have faith in God, you can say to the mountain to, to jump into the sea, and it, it will happen, Jesus says. says. In verse 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Now, go back and look at this line, if you hold anything against anyone, you know, it's interesting, I think what Jesus is saying here is that when we are in relationship with our Heavenly Father, one thing that impacts that relationship, and in particular impacts how we pray, is our relationship with other people. Now, doesn't it make sense when you think about your kids, if you've had kids in your home, you know, if they're sitting there bickering and arguing back and forth and yelling at each other, and then at some point they ask to go do something, you're probably not going to be as willing as a parent that you're not going to allow them to go to a friend's house or that you're not going to allow them to stay up late or maybe go watch a movie. There's some consequence there because of the relationship that's not working the way that it should. So I want us to see that it's in our relationships that, with other people that can impact our relationship with God. Let me give you another example. Jesus says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar First go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. That's in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. This idea, again, that there's something that's between us and another person, that that can be a barrier to how God is going to answer our prayer, that he wants us to be in relationship with each other that's healthy, and that is a building up community. And then there's a third example I can give you out of Scripture, and this is going to mess with the guys more because it's going to talk about being a husband. But the writer of 1 Peter says this, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So again, we can see that this idea of relationship is even core to that, that there's something going on in your marriage that we need to be careful how we relate to each other in that relationship because that disconnect that could be going on could actually hinder our prayers with our Heavenly Father. So again, why didn't God answer the prayer? It, it could be this first idea uh, that maybe there's a broken relationship. Or there could be a second idea here, which is maybe we have the wrong motives. 
because we've all prayed selfish prayers, I'll admit it, especially when I was a new Christian in, in high school, there were lots of things that I prayed selfishly about. I won't go into the details, but I will tell you I prayed selfishly. And that we know even in the scriptures when we look at the Pharisees, they were the same way. They would go to the town square, go so that people could see them and prayed where they could be seen and, and that it was all about their presentation and not so much about their relationship with their Heavenly Father. The reason God may not answer the prayer is it's either a broken relationship, possibly, or that we've got the wrong motive. Or this third point is that maybe you don't believe God will do it. And it's all centers around this idea of lacking faith. There's an incredible story that maybe you've heard in Mark chapter 9 where a father comes to Jesus and he talks about this boy that's been possessed by an evil spirit and the boy can't talk. Uh, it, it actually is causing the boy to do all sorts of crazy things. He foams at the mouth, he thrashes around, almost harms himself. In fact, the scripture tells us that he tries to kill himself by throwing himself into the fire or into water. So the, the dad comes and asks the disciples to drive out this evil spirit, and they couldn't. And the idea is, you know, where was their faith? And looking here at Mark chapter 9, verse 22, the dad says, It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, uh, and it's interesting how he says that, it's like he's come to his wit's ends. I, I don't know what else to do. So if you can do anything at all, Jesus, he says what? Take pity on us and help us. It's interesting how Jesus responds. He says, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. We've all been there, right? with that sense of, of frustration is that I do believe, but in this moment right now, it doesn't seem like it's working. And I have to admit to you, there are moments as a pastor that sometimes I know my faith isn't very good, or maybe it's at the end of the day where I'm really tired and just not sure how to lean in uh, to offer anything uh, that can offer life to other people, and even frustrated sometimes of the demands that's placed on us. And Recently, we were at home. It was at the end of the day. Melinda had worked hard, and so did I. And uh, she got a text message from a colleague who, who needed a pastor. And we looked at each other, and it's like, I guess you, we need to go. And to be honest, wasn't quite sure what to offer. It had to do with the fact that there was a family member, a, a grandmother who was in her last um, moments of life, and they just needed somebody to be present. And especially when you don't know people, it, it, that can be really awkward. It can be awkward when you know people, but I even wrestled with what can I offer? Don't know the story, and, and yet Melinda and I got in the car and we drove to where the family lived. It was about a half hour away. And it was a little odd and awkward, but it's in that moment saying that we're going to show up and be present. And it was really beautiful what God did uh, in spite of me, in spite of my own uh, doubting what I can offer somebody else. So we want to see here that it's about our faith. You see, it's really important that we see that this idea of faith really matters. It really does lean into how we uh, can accomplish the life that God's calling us to. And when we don't have faith, it really is impossible. It really is complicated and it's really difficult. In fact, as I mentioned at the, at the introduction of today's worship at Gathering, I had an opportunity to sit with our friends um, Mark Zimmerman and Gabe Collins at Heartfelt Radio, and we unpacked we unpacked a story out of Matthew 25 about the, the bags of gold, and, and really the tension that's there is this idea of being faithful to what God calls us to, 
And it isn't just faith for faith's sake, but it's actually faith and faithfulness to what God calls us to be a part of. And then operating from, and, and this is a, a message for another day, but really the key takeaway is that that the two servants who received the blessing from the master is they knew the master was coming back. And so for us as Christ followers, we have to have that faith. And so it's our belief in that God is going to show up in whatever way he will, that will give us encouragement. And so over and over again, we'll see in scripture that he says, it's according to your faith that it's gonna be done unto you. Again, there's these stories that we know about the woman who had the bleeding for over uh, 12 years, right? Jesus says to her in Matthew 9, 22, your faith has healed you. Or the story of the woman, uh, the immoral woman in Luke chapter seven, verse 50, where he says, your faith has, has saved you. Or there's another amazing story where Jesus meets two blind men and Jesus says to them, do you believe? And again, that he says, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. That's in Matthew chapter 9, verses 29 through 30. So what I want you to see that how we respond in our faith really matters. And yet, I know living in the culture in which we do, there is a distorted message out there that talks about the prosperity gospel, or you just have to have faith for healing and it's all going to happen, uh, or the idea of the to name it and claim it. I was in a seminary class last week, and we were reminded that there are some people, as we talk about the mental health issues and our physical health issues, as we try to unpack in this season coming out of COVID, of just this idea that, well, you just need to suck it up. And, you, and obviously, if, if life isn't working for you and God's not answering your prayers and things aren't moving in the right direction, you just haven't prayed enough or you haven't read your Bible enough. And it's like, it's not that. It really is this idea that our faith isn't just in the fact that we have faith. Our faith is in this idea that God is for us and he loves us and wants the best for us. And we have to trust that even in the messiness of the situation that he's gonna show up for us. So let's go back to our question. We, you know, why didn't God answer my prayers? If we've got our relationships that are in right standing, that they're good, and that we come at it with some right motives, ground our, our ask, and we have deep faith, why is it that sometimes it seems as though God doesn't answer our prayer? Well, there's this fourth element here which is maybe God has something different in mind. Again, the writer of 1 John says to us, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. That's 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And when we think about the person that comes to mind in Scripture who should have this all together, it's the Apostle Paul, right? And yet it's interesting in his story, in his journey through life, we're made aware, and we're not quite sure what it is, but he talks about how he has this thorn in the flesh. The writers and the commentators uh, that think about these kinds of questions in the scriptures, uh, we're not sure if it's an eye problem or that maybe he had malaria. Uh, there's some that think it might be that he had migraines or that he had epilepsy. Some think that maybe he had a speech problem, or there's even suggested that there was a person involved. And we all know those kinds of problems, right? People that, that come and are thorns in the flesh. He talks about Alex the coppersmith, who did a great deal of harm, Paul says to him. And then what's interesting is that Paul, three times in his writings, he, he pleaded with God in long and deep ways to take it away. He says that it's tormenting him, and, and he just asks that God takes away. 
And remember, this is Paul. This is Paul who for 30 years preached the gospel to every major city in that region of the world. Uh, this is Paul who was shipwrecked and he was beaten and he was stoned and he was imprisoned. This is the same Paul that wrote more than a third of the New Testament. Paul begs God to take away this thorn. He pleads, in fact. And we know that Paul has good relationships and we know that his motives are pure and we know that his faith is strong and yet God didn't take it away. And so what does Paul do with that? Well, Paul gives us a perspective that I think we need to lean into in these moments when our prayer isn't answered. And Paul learns from God this idea where he says, my grace is sufficient for you. He goes on to unpack this idea that the power uh, is perfected in his weakness. Now, so I guess when I don't get what I want and I don't understand, whatever it might be, job that you're pursuing, or uh, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's marriage, or or maybe it's something that you're trying to buy, something of a, of a tangible nature, that if we don't get it, in fact, we may not in the moment like what we get or don't get, but it's this idea that as we lean into giving ourselves a foundation of how to respond to these moments, we realize that God has something different for us. And so when we ask the big questions of God, where are you? we still are reminded in a very core way, in a very fundamental way, that it's about the grace that we need. And that's really all we need. That grace is what we need in every opportunity of God's mercy as he uh, loves us as his people. Now that maybe bring you just to the simple question is, why do we even pray at all? Why even bother? If, if, if God is, uh, if it's such a tricky thing, if God is just gonna do what he wants, well, it's, it's back to this big idea, back to these uh, couple statements I made at the beginning of what prayer is not and what it is, to be reminded that it's about a relationship, that's, uh, to be reminded that it's about knowing him intimately, that to be reminded that it's the purpose of prayer is not for us to get God to do what we want, to do our will, but actually the purpose of prayer is to know God so that we can do his will. One of the questions I was uh, wrestling through recently as I listened to a podcast by John Eldridge is John posed just the question about prayer and asking, when you pray, where do you see God? And I hadn't really thought about that, uh, but I have to be honest, it, was, it really sort of took me back. The thing that John was trying to get at is, do you see God as far off in the heavens and, and removed from your life? Or when you pray, do you see him sitting next to you? at your table or in the chair next to you in your living room or in your study or in your bedroom where you're having a conversation with your Heavenly Father. And so all of this is to remind us that, that we're not in control and that it really is seeking Him. And if we're in relationship with Him and we're in an intimate relationship with Him where, where we do see Him close to us, then we know that He's keeping us close to Him. I think in this current season, many of us have struggled with just what prayer can be, right? I don't know that I've ever doubted the power of prayer, but I have doubted how my prayer life works. Uh, I know that prayer, and I've heard of other stories of where it's powerful and impactful, but sometimes when we pray, we just don't feel like or sense that, that things are moving in the right direction. So we have to get to another foundational uh, perspective, which is this idea to say to ourselves in that moment when it seems like life is complicated, that I believe God can and that I believe God will, and at the same time to say in reality that even if he doesn't, 
I still believe in who he is. Because this idea of our faith, our faith isn't in, in a what, but it's in a who. It's in the person of God. And the person of God is it's understood in the work of what Jesus did on our behalf, to be reminded that he took on flesh and moved in the neighborhood, that he knows our, our pain and he knows our sorrows, and he wants to walk with us in that. And so when we see that the purpose of prayer isn't to get God to do our will, but we embrace this idea that when we pray, it's so that we can know God, so we can do his will, I, I think that's a game changer. Which leaves us with this idea simply is that when we pray, we can believe that God can do, and we can believe that God will, and even when it doesn't seem like he's showing up the way we want him to, we can still believe that he's working for us and working in the midst of the, the messiness. And I think especially as we think about what's going on in Ukraine, I can't help but just as we've watched these images and we've seen the destruction and, and have watched people, uh, mothers with their babies in subways and just all of that, it just doesn't make sense. We still believe that God is in charge. We still believe that God is writing his story. And so it's in our relationship with him as we go to prayer to pray for ourselves and to pray for those in the world around us that we can operate from a perspective that has faith. Because you see, without faith, we're toast. That's, it's just that simple. And the reality is it's impossible to please God. So simply this is that when we pray, we believe that God can. And when we pray, we believe that God will. And that, that all of this is grounded in this idea that we believe, that we have faith in who God is and what he wants for us. So with that, let's pray. God, we invite you in to helping us see this when, for some reason, the prayers that we pray, don't, the answers don't come the way we want. We, we know that you love us. We know that you desire good things for us as your people. And so we just trust that. Jesus, we thank you for the life you've given us. And it's through that life that we uh, pray now. And we just thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.